CBD FX's CBD products are formulated to boost overall wellness and deliver calm vibes for daytime and nighttime use. CBD FX uses only organically grown hemp and all natural ingredients. CBD FX's best selling line of CBD products features wellness boosting CBD and legal Delta 9 THC gummies, oil tinctures, capsules, pens, and other products. Visit CBDFX.com today and use code Genius to get 25% off site wide plus a free CBD bath bomb with your first purchase. The code is GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S. Don't miss this special 25% off offer for Finding Genius listeners, only at cbdfx.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. My guest is Jagmeet Singh. He's the founder of Dairy Creek Farms. He's, uh, his channel on YouTube is uh, also called Daisy Creek Farms. Apologies, let me restate that. He's the founder of Daisy Creek Farms. They can be found on YouTube. The channel is Daisy Creek Farms altogether. He's an organic gardener and uh, now a YouTuber. Uh, we're going to talk about his uh, farmland that he built and some of the work that he does. So, Jagmeet, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, you would. Tell me about your background and what got you into farming. So, basically, uh, my background is in IT. I've worked in the IT sector for about 16 years, mostly mainly in uh, data analytics, project management. However, my heart was very much into being connected with nature, growing your own produce. So, I kind of started growing my own produce in 2008. Uh, so, that's about 15 years ago. So, I at first, I wasn't too successful. Implemented a few techniques. Uh, my great grandfather has been a great inspiration for me. He always grew organic food. Like back then, you know, everybody grew organic food. My all of all of our ancestors grew organic food. Everybody thinks organic is something new. It's not actually. It's uh, all of our ancestors have always grown organic. The conventional or inorganic food is actually a, a new invention with the invent of chemical fertilizers, chemical pesticides. So we've only been growing conventional food for past. 60, 70, 80 years. But other than that, in the entire human history, we've always grown organic. And then, and I wanted to grow organic. I wanted to taste the fruits and vegetables that my great grandfather would talk about. So I started, uh, when I first started, I wasn't too successful. It took me about two to three years to, to get a hang of organic. And after that, you know, once I built my soil, you know, I mean, part of our growing organic is having living soil. So once I built my soil, then it was a piece of cake. You know, everything started growing and the taste of fruit was absolutely amazing. Tomatoes tasted like out of the world. Like you will never taste tomatoes like that from a, you know, you buy tomatoes from a grocery store. So uh, that was kind of how I got started. So I basically, you know, kept going. And then when it was very intuitive to me to grow organic food and I got a lot of knowledge, that's when I started my YouTube channel in 2016. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your grandfather talked about his vegetables and fruits and it must have been in a very inspiring way. What did he say about them? So my great grandfather, you know, he was the one who talked about them. He passed away in 2008. So he is, a, I started kind of growing after he passed away, but when he was alive, you know, he would always talk about the cantaloupes, the tomatoes and the watermelons that 
he used to eat when he was a kid and that was back in like 30s 40s and 50s and he said the food does not taste the same anymore so since like 60s and 70s you know he said the food does not taste the same it does not have the flavor it does not have the actual taste that the natural food has so so that's where like he, he would talk a lot a lot about that that's where my kind of like my background yeah, I visited a friend in Seattle years ago, and around Seattle, there's a lot of blackberry uh, bushes that we would eat off the blackberry bushes as we walk. And they, you know, the blackberries were much smaller than you get in the store, but it was amazing all the different tastes and flavors. And it was like a huge mixture of just deliciousness. And it was like a hundred times better than anything I've ever gotten in the store. And I've also eaten off a peach tree once and same thing. So I understand what you mean. That's great. You've been able to recreate that. Yeah. You know, the taste is night and day and you can get the size, you know, bigger, you know, all these conventional farms, they're always about getting more, most amount of production, bigger size fruit and vegetables or bigger doesn't always mean better you can use chemical fertilizers to make the growth however you lose the taste and the flavor so the taste and the flavor comes when you actually grow fruits and vegetables naturally and when the plants you know take their time to ripen the fruit on the vine that's when you it tastes the best yeah that's great what do you grow what's your focus you know over the past couple of years so we bought the farmland about you know about four years ago it's 20 acre farmland and since then we have planted over about 100 different varieties of fruit so we have five varieties of blueberries five varieties of raspberries four varieties of blackberries loganberries berries, boysenberries marionberry we have uh, peaches nectarines seven varieties of cherries uh, we have apples uh, jujube persimmons so we grow a variety of stuff you know so we are open from april all the way until september time frame and all all the information like is on our website daisycreekfarms.com but we basically specialize in growing fruits and berries okay how long does it take to grow the various fruits and berries you produce from from seed so we, we buy the plants uh, from nurseries uh, and wholesale nurseries so basically the blueberries they start producing the second year the raspberries some of the raspberries start producing the first year you know however the production is very light it takes about two to three years to get the production off of the berries the fruit trees take about four years to start producing good so you're looking about you know anywhere about three to four years to actually starting having uh, to have production so we bought the farmland about four years ago the first year was just land preparation setting up irrigation the second year we started planting last year when we started having some production so we we opened for UPIC last year and this year, the year we're actually having a lot of production, and going forward, we'll have a, we'll be you know we'll having a lot of we'll have a lot of production going on as well. Yeah, no, that's excellent. What are some of the unique challenges you face growing the these fruits? Their challenges are many. If I were to list them, it would take hours. Um, you know, there are lots of challenges in farming, especially organic farming. This past winter, we got flooded out with all the rains we had. You know, in California, we had these rainstorms. We had 13 in a row, one after the other, and I had to pump the water out. That was the biggest challenge that we faced recently. But, you know, controlling pests and, and disease organically, that's another challenge. And, you know, watering is a challenge as well. You have to know how much to water and, and how often to water your plants. Overwatering can kill the plants and underwatering can, can kill the plant. Kill the plants as well so you have to water just right and every different kind of plant has has a different watering requirements so you have to know that however you know we have you know multiple other challenges you know sometimes we have challenges with labor labor is not available to plant the trees or the plants we need or pick the produce however just you know those kind of challenges if you you know we have just been able to just rationally and logically you know work them out you know so they're not that big of a deal however having so many challenges back and forth does make you know you know growing produce a little challenging as well so how do you do it organically do you not use any exogenous fertilizers compost like how do you uh 
these plants. So we do not use any chemical fertilizers. We do not use chemical pesticides. We don't use Roundup or glyphosates. The only fertilizers we use is organic fertilizer. And we use neem oil as a organic pesticide to counteract pest as well. And for caterpillars and other uh, worms and stuff, uh, we use spinosad, which is also approved for organic. So it's an organic compound that we use, basically. So everything we do is organic. The biggest challenge in growing organic is managing weeds because conventional farms, they use Roundup. And once they spray once, the weeds don't grow for two months. We mow the weeds. Once we mow the weeds, the next week they're back. So we are constantly going to the tractor and mowing over entire 20 acres. It takes about 18 to 20 hours to mow. It's over an acre, but it, it takes about 18, 20 hours to mow the entire 20 acres. And the next week we got to do it again. So our cost for labor itself to manage weeds is about four to five times higher than conventional farms. And why can't you use plastic or uh, seen some people use a flamethrower where they just torch the, the plants for a quick second? We do. You can't use flamethrowers in almost all the settings. So we have plastic on our uh, blackberries, on our blueberries, and sometimes on our vegetables as well. But the fruit trees, uh, they need to have sprinkler system in order to have wider radius of or diameter of water. Once you put plastic on there, you from the sprinklers, the, the plastic does not let the water through. So the, the trees don't get the water that they need. So we don't use the plastic on our trees. So that's why we mow those. And we use flamethrower wherever we need them, but that is also a fire risk as well. So we have to be very careful with that. So we can only use it when the when the ground is moist. Uh, so for, for example, in summer, right now, we can't use it at all. CBD affects full-spectrum and broad-spectrum CBD products are formulated to boost overall wellness and deliver calm vibes for daytime and nighttime use. CBDFX is offering our listeners an exclusive 25% off, which I think is very generous, plus a free CBD bath bomb with your first purchase when you use the code GENIUS. Don't miss this special 25% off offer for Finding Genius listeners only at CBDFX.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. Oh, because it would be, okay, I understand. What else can you do with the weeds? What about a cover crop that goes along with the blueberries? You know, the, the raspberries that produces nitrogen. Uh, yeah, we do plant cover crops. We plant peas, we plant a clover, alfalfa. So we do that mainly in our fruit trees. It's very hard to do that in between raspberries and uh, blueberries because they are planted much closer to each other. So if you do grow cover crop, you have to be able to mow them. Otherwise, you will get really huge and you, you will have trouble walking through it. Since you are you, we are a pick farm, people come and pick their own fruit and, and berries and, and vegetables. So we have to keep the weeds down up to close to up to an inch near the ground. Otherwise, people have trouble walking through them. So that's why we only grow cover crop in our trees and we mow it as soon as it gets above you know, uh, six, six inches up to 12 inches. What if you did uh, some, you know, I know you charge for people to pick stuff, but what if you said, hey, it's uh, X amount per pound, but if you're willing to go and pull weeds for 15 minutes, you know, we'll, we'll reduce it by this much. Maybe you can get the you pick people to you pick the weeds as well. <laughs> you know, they have to know the difference between the plants and the weeds, but if they pull the plants, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of people don't know that difference, first of all. Secondly, uh, to do it by that, you know, it will take, probably 100 people working 100 hours a week <laughs> to, to do that. <laughs> so it's not really plausible. I imagine like having big classes of kids and teenagers and, you know, them happily doing it. They learn stuff in the meantime, but okay. I, it's got to be mechanical. It makes sense. Yeah. When, you, when you're talking about this kind of acreage, you know, 20 acres, you know, 
pulling wheels by hands, it will take you forever. You will never get done. It's, this doesn't, it's not possible. We do pull wheels by hands that are very close to the plants that you cannot get rid of mechanically. Those are the only ones we do by hand. And sometimes I'll hire, you know, labor from the labor contractor. You know, 15 people will come in and they will work eight hours and clear weeds in, in three acres, for example. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So how much does that add to the cost? Like if you didn't have to worry about weed, uh, would the cost be a lot less or would it Yes, the majority of the, the cost of growing grows into managing weeds and also uh, the fertilizing as well. Because, for example, the organic fertilizer costs more. It's about you know, twice more, uh, twice as much expensive as chemical fertilizer. However, you have to use four times as much because we are using four for two. Commercial farms use it like triple 16 or 16, 12, four or something like that. So they, they get four times the amount of nitrogen that we get in our organic fertilizer. So we have to use four times more fertilizer than conventional farm. That's additional cost. Managing weeds is about four to five times labor and diesel in mechanical weeding, you know, as compared to conventional. So our cost is much higher than conventional, but that's what it takes to grow real food that is free of chemical fertilizers and chemical pesticides and uh, free of glyphosates. Yeah. Uh, what do you do with the weeds once you pull them? Can you like chop them up and then spread them out and use them as uh, or make them into compost? Or I uh, hope you know, just throw them away, but what could you do with them? No, we don't pull them. We mow them and they get um, mulched into the ground. Oh, that's good. Okay. Maybe yeah. reduces your fertilizer need a little bit. Yeah. So we do a process called chop and drop. That's why we grow a lot of cover crop. That's like peas, clover, alfalfa, stuff like that, because uh, they also add organic matter into the soil as well. So we do chop and drop, you know, while we mow. Okay. Very cool. So you know, what, what interesting things have you learned about growing this produce? And, you know, if you go to the store and evaluate uh, produce there, like, I, like even in the store, I've seen organic blueberries, let's say, they do taste better than non-organic. Non-organic tastes like nothing, like just garbage. Organic is better, but it's not even close to what I've been able to pick in a while. Do you feel like you get really close to what the wild flavors would be? And, and why would other organics maybe, you know, still just be okay, but not great? So yes, we get very close to even better flavor than wild because uh, our varieties are the national taste winners. And the reason you, uh, that you get, if you buy blueberries from the store and they're organic, they still don't taste as well is because they are picked underripe. Most of the produce that you buy from grocery stores is, is picked underripe to increase the shelf life. So they need to be, it has to go through all the logistical process through transportation, through all the channels for delivery to grocery stores and the grocery stores hold them for like three, four days before they sell them. So it has to have like seven to 10 days shelf life. In order to do that, you have to pick the produce a little bit underripe. When you pick it underripe, it doesn't taste as well. So with our pick farm, when people come here, they pick the ripest produce, fruit right off the plants and it tastes like nothing else you've ever had in your entire life. So how much less uh, short life is there on your produce? Uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you say that again? For a typical organic farmer, how much less is the shelf life versus an inorganic one? So organic produce that you pick right off the plant, like for example, raspberries will only have a shelf life of about two to three days. Blackberries about four days. Strawberries about four days as well. Blueberries maybe about seven to 10 days, but it's much less than the produce that they pick underripe to supply to grocery stores because ripe produce doesn't last too, too long. So most people, when they come and pick their own on fruit from our farm, they'll pick it and, you know, and they will consume it in the next two, three days, four days, or you can freeze it as well. You know, if you freeze ripe fruit that you pick off the plants, it'll always taste better and you can increase the, the life of the fruit as well, if you, especially if you make jams and, and big stuff with it. Okay, so the shop license, uh, yeah, substantially shortened, I guess, for the organic, but you know, you gain back. I mean, so have you had your produce evaluated for the nutrient content versus uh, store-bought stuff? 
That would be interesting. Evaluated for what? I was saying, have you had your produce evaluated versus store-bought produce, organic and inorganic to see your nutrient difference? Yes. So we have yearly inspections. So our, our organic certifier still takes samples every year and, you know, they'll send it to the lab and analyze it. And they mainly do that to see, to find any traces of uh, chemical fertilizers or chemical pesticides or glyphosates. So what happens is uh, when we had that organic uh, inspection, I asked the inspector, hey, aren't you planning to take any soil samples? He said, no. I said, so how do you know if somebody's playing Roundup on near their plants to kill the weeds? Uh, they say, well, well, we take the uh, samples of the fruit, we send it to the lab. And if they do spray Roundup, it shows up in the fruit, in the sample, because the plants absorb that and it's transferred over into the fruit. That's why organic is actually more healthy for yourself because it's free of those chemicals. And it also, it tastes better and it has better nutrients as well. Oh, do growers try to say that none of the, the Roundup or anything that gets into the food? I don't know if growers say that. I don't think they can claim that because plants do absorb it. Well, is the absorption level higher than you thought or did you not get into that at all? Well, we don't spray any chemicals. We, our fruit is free of any of those. So I doesn't by asking the inspector, that's what I mean. You know, because you spoke to the inspector, you didn't sample the soil. He told you, oh, it ends up in the fruit. So, okay, that's a great piece of data. But mm -hmm. did you ask him how much shows up in the fruit if someone sprays Roundup? I know every situation is different, but I'm just curious to see the levels found. Yeah, it's, it's all different. Different fruit had different levels and different applications have different levels as well. So I can't really give you numbers like that, but they have numbers for themselves that they use. Yes. They have threshold levels. Right. But have you ever done like a nutritional profile of your fruit just to compare to again, store-bought stuff or inorganic stuff? No, I haven't really done any nutritional one. I really don't buy store-bought anymore, but something I can do, but just the taste tells you everything, but I haven't really done any lab testing nutrition wise. Well, it also might be a really cool proof point for you. You know, the taste speaks for itself, but if you had the results of a test and let's say your fruits were had three times the levels of X, Y, and Z versus conventional grown fruits, that might be a cool comparison to show to the pick, you know, the customers show another, another aspect of it. It's not just taste, but you're also getting these nutrients that maybe you wouldn't get or more of them, et cetera. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I will. I'll definitely conduct that testing. Okay. What new stuff are you working on after all this time? Like where are you headed now? Now I'm heading at I'm making the farm more optimized basically. So I'm working on reducing the amount of labor that is uh, required to, for example, mow or do other tasks like mundane tasks so that I can lower my expenses and I can also lower some of the prices of fruit as well. So I can pass off those savings to my customers. So all of our prices are still very, you know, very much less than the organic produce you get from the grocery stores. However, I want to be able to provide organic produce at conventional prices, very close to conventional prices. That way, people don't have to choose between organic and conventional. If you can buy organic fruit at conventional prices, you know, you will always buy organic because there's no price difference. Most people buy conventional because it's cheaper. So I'm looking at autonomous mowing using artificial intelligence and uh, using GPS data. So I'm working on a company, which I, I can't uh, publicize right now, that actually make artificial mowing you know, vehicles and that we will be using to uh, autonomously mow our entire 20 acres. What do you think that'll save you? Oh, it will save us a, a huge, that will cut down the four times the, the labor cost that we pay to mow versus the conventional. So it will, it will reduce our expenses by about 60%.
Wow, that's tremendous. How's the technology on the autonomous mowers? Is it there yet or not yet? It's it's there. We are talking to the company. We are working through it. And the technology is here. It's, there's no question about whether uh, whether it's going to work or not. It's going to work. We're just, you know, looking at some of the kinks to to actually use it in production. When do you think that'll come online? Starting next year, I think we should have it implemented. Well, that's great. Can you give me an example? Like, what's the cost of the equivalent of a pint of blueberries from your place versus, you know, let's say in the store, what go to with the autonomous mowing? Yeah, so the price of blueberries, the price of conventional blueberries is about uh, $4 a pound if you buy from a store. Price of organic blueberries, depending on where you buy, if you buy from a, you know, a Costco, you know, they can get it from 8 to $9 a pound. However, if you buy from a fruit stand or from you know, a specialty store, it can go up to like $11 to $12 a pound. We sell our blueberries at the farm at, for $6 a pound organic. But if you buy more, you know, if you buy 10 pounds or more, 15 pounds or more, then our price dropped down to even five, $5.50 a pound. My goal is to lower that price to $4 a pound, which is, exactly the same as financial. Hey, your pricing's pretty good already. It doesn't seem to be, you know, that high. And again, I've been to this store many, many times, you know, the organic is better than the inorganic, but not very, it's, it's still not great. And there's been plenty of times where I bought blueberries and I just threw it away because they just tasted like shit. You know, they weren't good. So it's literally a waste of money. It's like literally throwing money away on a lot of this fruit. So I would say that your pricing is excellent. And I hope your customers and people listening realize that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that, that's not the, the fault of the organic grower. It's the fault of the logistics. Because those blueberries that you tasted that didn't taste as good, they're probably in the logistical process for up to 10 days. So by the time they get to you, they're already 10 days old. So when customers come and pick from over farm, they pick ripe fruit that's fresh, pick that day. So that makes a huge difference. Did you do something where customers repay? And then the second the stuff hits the store, they pick it up. Maybe you could actually even go into stores and do that if they would allow it, you know? Yeah, the, the way the stores work, for example, I do supply locally to local grocery stores and we do pick the same day and deliver the same day. So, you know, but they charge a lot. Since I, since I charge them $6 a pound, they sell those plates for $12 a pound. They want to double their money. So they so they sell it for a lot of money. They are fresh and, you know, they taste much better. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of lot of labor, power, and just to, the delivering costs. Sometimes these grocery stores, they only want to buy $200 worth of produce. Now, in order to drive an hour there, come back, the cost of labor and gas is not sometimes it's not even profitable. So we have minimum. Our minimum is five hundred dollars for del- delivery to grocery stores. So if they buy at least five hundred dollars worth, then we can deliver. But you know, logistical challenges are always existing, and with the produce is even higher. I mean, you might be able to work something out with the grocery store. If you tell the grocery store, "Hey, I know I know you normally sell it for X, but we have a way to get pre-orders that are paid already." So, you know, hey, grocery store, give us a little bit of a break or do something, you know, price-wise for the customers because they're prepaid. You have guaranteed income and they'll get it on this day. You know, it comes in, so it won't take it to shelf space. Maybe there's a play there. I don't know. You know, it's like grocery stores are not going to do that. They're not going to pass off uh, their customers to me or they're not going to have customers at their place that have paid me for their order. So they're not going to do that. Most of the grocery stores, they don't even buy directly from farms because they work through their distribution channels. They work through the distributors of the packers. So the packers, will buy tons. They will buy like 10,000 pounds of blueberries, uh, 20,000 pounds of peaches, and then they supply to different grocery stores like Sprouts, Raley's, and other grocery stores. And they will supply, hey, 500 pounds of peaches to this grocery store, 50 pounds of blueberries to that grocery store. That's how that logistical chain works. Because in order for the farmer to do it, they, for 50 pounds of peaches, $1.50 a pound, $75, to, to drive even like half an hour and there and back, it's not worth it. So all grocery stores work through almost exclusively with distribution channels. There are few local grocery stores that I supply to that 
especially the food co-ops that buy directly from the farms. And that's where, you know, our relationships are. And it's a little challenging as well because of the amount of produce they can sell and amount of produce I need to sell because we produce 15,000 pounds of blueberries this year. And I can't sell them $100, 100 pounds at a time and deliver them. It will take me forever. I won't be done in a whole season to make those deliveries. It's not even possible. Is there any point in having like a, a little store that you do already on your you pick farm for people that don't want to go pick it? And you guys pour them and charge a little bit more, they just pick it up? That's exactly what we do. Uh, we have a fruit stand on our farm. And if you want delivery, we charge a little bit more. But if you want to come and pick from the farm, it's less. And if you buy more volume, if you buy five pounds or more, we have a lower price, 10 pounds or more, even lower price, 15 pounds or more, even lower price. And if you buy 100 pounds or more, that's even lower price for each one of the, the fruits that you buy. So we sell that in most of our produce, like 80 to 90% of our fruit is being sold on our farm through our fruit stands and by UP. Very interesting. So the mowing is going to be a huge thing, the automated mowing. Are there new fruits that you're going to get into that aren't commonly available or what was your other plans? Uh, no, I, you know, I specialize in growing uh, fruits uh, that are suited for my zone because if you grow out of zone, it's a lot of work and not enough returns. So I've, I've already done, I did a lot of research, for example, for blackberries, I planted 12 different varieties of blackberries. And from those, I chose four blackberries and I did my testing and research for two years after planting those 12 different varieties to actually pick those four different varieties. And out of those four varieties, there's one variety that we really love. It's uh, it's almost the a size of like, for example, it's about two inches long and quarter of an inch wide. That's how the big the, the blackberry is. People love it. And so it takes a lot of research to, to find other varieties that will grow in your zone, in your soil, in your climate. So I think I've already done all the research and we've everything planted on our on our farm, all the different varieties that we needed. Right now I'm working on infrastructure. I'm working on I'm making the, the customer experience better so people can enjoy the farm. I'm making a picnic area so they can come here and have picnics. They can have birthday parties, graduation parties. They can enjoy, you know, uh, feeding the fish in the pond and building a pond. It will be fenced, but people can still feed the fish, you know, on the other side of the fence. So I'm, I'm working on these kind of uh, user experiences or customer experiences that will elevate their experience, take it into another dimension on the farm, just a little more than just picking produce. Yeah, that's excellent. Where is your farm located? Like where can, where can people go to, uh, to go to the farm? So we are located in California, south of Sacramento. So we are about 35 to 40 minutes south of Sacramento in a city called Gulf. And our farm is named Daisy Creek Farms. If you search for it, Daisy Creek Farms near Gulf, California or Sacramento, California, it will come up in, in Google. Yeah, that's really excellent. Jamie, it's been great to talk to you. I can see why you're successful because you bring a business mind to the whole situation without compromising quality and other aspects. So I think that's why you're very successful. So I'm glad to have you and I uh, encourage people to go on YouTube as well and your channel is called, called what? Let's restate it. Daisy Creek Farms. D-A-I-S-Y. Yeah. Excellent, Jagmeet. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Remember, before you go, check out CBDFX.com for the best in organic, all-natural CBD products, both for you and your pets. Boost your wellness today and get 25% off your first order, plus get a free CBD bath bomb when you use code GENIUS at checkout. That's code G-E-N-I-U-S. Don't miss this special 25% off offer for Finding Genius listeners only at CBDFX.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.